This is such a special day for Life Fellowship. It's a special day for us, people. The Lord has blessed us because he has brought to us that which has influenced, shaped, helped your pastor and me to be in love with God. And this day, our own pastors from Corpus Christi are here. Yes, please. We have such respect. We have such love. We have uh, words that cannot even begin to explain to you how we feel about this couple. You just don't know, but you will soon. Because today, today, as soon as our worship is over, we will hear from the man of God, Pastor Don Lavelle. He may let his lovely, beautiful, talented, amazing wife, Marva, speak. If y'all don't get to hear that, I'm so sorry, because the women who are going to the conference get that privilege. But I tell you, the Lord has prepared something very special today. God called you here today for a very special purpose. You are not here by accident. This is a time appointed for you to hear this. So as soon as praise and worship is over, we will welcome the man of God in our home. And now Anne Lorraine is going to lead us into his presence. Actually, I'd like to welcome them right now. Would you please stand? Pastor Don and Marva, let's give them a warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As Christine said, we are so blessed to have them in the house. And as we prepare for worship, as we worship this morning, I want you to really allow God to prepare your heart for the word this morning. It's going to be life-changing. So please join us in entering in worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we come here this morning. Lord, we pray that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, Lord. That you would open our our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. God, most importantly, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. God, and we pray this with expectation that you will do abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope or think, Lord God that you would do mighty things in us this morning. It's, it's an encounter with you that changes our lives, God. So we pray that we would encounter you, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rain down upon this place, continue to rain down upon us this morning. And we ask all this in the all-powerful and the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Warrior youth, you're staying in here today, so please be seated. Thank you for joining us. Pastor Don, please share the word. Amen. Oh boy. You know, this is a, a wonderful moment. It's a, a sacred moment. And uh, we want to take full advantage of this sacred moment. The Lord, the Lord is uh, always sharing with us Himself. He is our bread, He is our nourishment in every way. Let's not miss an opportunity to respond to him and to receive whatever he has to give us. And let's don't act as though Jesus is a part of a buffet 
when we just take the part we want. Let's take all of him. He is so amazingly wonderful. And I would like to just maybe just take a moment and say to uh, your pastors, thank you for this amazing and marvelous opportunity to, to be here today. I'm grateful and just want to open up our hearts to you and let you know that we love you as we love them. My mother told me a story when I was a boy of her English teacher who, whose mother came to visit her and she was not a very nice person. And all of the other teachers didn't like her mother and voiced it and mistreated her. And, and Mrs. Graham said to them, don't tell me you love me because you don't love my mother. And conversely, you know, I love you because I love them. And I wanted to say that today. I really love them. And they're in my hearts, therefore you're in our hearts. And I wanted my wife to come and just say hi to you quickly. And, and uh, it, it's important that she says hi quickly so that I... Yeah, because if, if you hear her talk much, you won't want to hear me. Good morning, everybody. Oh, I tell you what, you're looking real good out here. I'm just so happy to be with you this morning and just look at what the Lord has done right before our very eyes. I mean, he does wonderfully powerful, powerful things. And what I'm looking at is all because of what he said. The Lord spoke a word, two servants believed him, and this is the result of their belief. And so uh, can, can a big thing count, come out of something small? Yes. Amen. I mean, look at yourself. You came out of something that could not even be seen with the naked eye. So I never underestimate the word of God because God is able to do whatever he says. So when the Lord puts something in your heart, don't even doubt him for a second. And my husband did say briefly, so I'm gonna say a little bit more that I'm gonna take my seat. <laughs> the Lord really wants a very close relationship with all of us. I mean, he wants us to know him in a very intimate way. And I remember when I first became a believer, I would hear all of these people talking about what the Lord had told them, what the Lord was saying to them, and he wasn't saying anything to Marva. And Marva was there all the time, just like they were. And so I sought the Lord about that. Why are all of, you know, all, all of them weren't hearing God. Some of them were hearing themselves. But some people were really hearing God. And uh, this is what the Lord shared with me. He said, it's because you don't take the time to really get to know me. You're too busy. It's like, I wouldn't know your voice if you were to call me on the phone because we don't have a relationship. We've never talked on the phone. So if you would call me, I wouldn't know it was you. And it's just like that. To know the Lord, we have to study his word. We have to know people that know him. 
We have to set time aside to have an intimate sharing time with him. And I tell you, even if even though my mother's been gone for like 20 years almost, if she would call me, I would know that woman's voice. If Christine, we have a relationship, if she would call me, I would know her voice. And I felt that touch on my back. So I'm going to step aside. But just hear what I'm saying, okay? Hear what I'm saying, that if you really want to know God, set time aside to really inquire of him. And the word teaches us that he will come and he will reveal himself to us in a very intimate way. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for those words. I want to just go where I'm, I think I'm going here. I said to you that we love your pastors, and when they had the opportunity to come to this area, uh, we had a dinner, and we talked about it, and I told them the truth. I said, I believe the Lord wants you there, and it was a difficult thing to say because we wanted them there, <laughs> and, uh, but I see what God has done, just a wonderful work here when I look at all of you. I want to just sort of jump into the message because wherever we go, there's a particular message that we share, not the same sermon, but a message, and that is uh, Jesus Christ, his person, and his work, who he is as a person, and his work. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about Christ, God's provision. Paul tells us that we are blessed uh, because uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that God gives to us as believers is in his son. And so when I think about Christ being everything that we need for life and for godliness, I, I get excited about that. And it is my view that we must draw on our spiritual provision that is in Christ. So whatever we need is found in this, this being. I came from the oil business. I, as a, an adult, I worked in the oil business for 17 years steadily, and then for another 20 years uh, off and on. And what we had, we had what we called a swedge or a reducer. And what that thing, that piece of equipment uh, did was it would connect two things that were unlike or of different sizes. For example, if we had a, a pipe coming into our uh, facility that was four inches and we had two-inch pipe in the facility, we would take a swedge or a reducer and connect it to the four-inch, weld that, and then weld it to the two-inch. Well, Jesus Christ is that for us. In that, Jesus is the only way that man can get to God. There's, there's no exception. There's no way that we can analyze or philosophically find another way. Absolutely not. Uh, sometimes I'm asked, well, are you arrogant enough to believe that Jesus is the only way? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he is the, the only being who is 100% God and 100% man. And that's crucial for our understanding and our spiritual development. Jesus, as it were, 
is God, so he can actually touch God. He is human, so he touches us. And through him, we have access to the Father. That's the only way. And so Jesus is indispensable uh, to our spiritual development and to whatever God wants us to do. I, I believe that, that Christ alone is sufficient for every spiritual need because of the fullness of God that is in him. So if he's 100% God and 100% man, he is indispensable in our lives. But so often, so often, and I don't say this about you in particular, but so often when we travel around the world, we find people who know religious things, but they don't know the Savior. Uh, they have principles down, but they don't know the principle. And we, we are always trying to get people to lay hold of him because God made us a promise. And he made us a promise that one day the knowledge of the glory of the Lord was going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And I'm looking for that promise. As a matter of fact, when I first read that in Habakkuk chapter 2, I said, that was written for me. Have you ever read yourself, saw yourself in the Bible, read and said, ah, that's me. That's for me to do. And so when I read that, I thought, that's for me to do. And another scripture I read where Jesus in Matthew 24 said, he said, and this gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. I thought, okay, that's me too. And so as a result, I had a desire to go to the world, but no means to go to the world. And because I had the desire, God furnished the means. And this is what I'm saying today in our desire to be better. I find that we are often, as Christians, hearers of the word, but we don't do it. Now, I believe that the Word of God brings change, don't you? The Word of God brings change. And if I, as a believer, listen to the Word of God, that is God himself, I will change. I will become different than I was. Many of us have learned some things and we have settled on some things, and I would like to change your mind about that today. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture says, Paul teaches us so, I think, clearly about Christ. And for me, there's no other gospel. There's, I don't want to uh, self-help, you know, because self-help gets you nowhere. Everything in this sphere, this earth sphere, is, as it were, terminal. Everything that originates from this sphere is terminal. And I believe that we as believers must allow God to do something in us to take us beyond what is terminal. I, I like my Spanish version of the Bible. It calls the devil el maligno. El maligno. The malignant one. There's nothing good in him. And I think that as believers, we have to come from the natural or asking God to bless what is naturally, quote unquote, good. And seek those things which are above. Paul in Colossians 1.18 says he is the head of the body. That means that he is our boss. Uh, one day somebody said to me, well, pastor, uh, you can do whatever you want to. You're the boss. I said, no, I'm not. I may be a boss, but I'm the underboss, if anything. See, he is the boss, and he tells me what to do. So the scripture says that he is the head of the body, the church. So Jesus is in charge of the church. 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. I love that scripture. So he says, Jesus is the beginning. The beginning of what? The firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? It means that he is the beginning of the new creation, the new humanity. So the Lord's desire is for all of us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. When he says, be perfect, he wants us to be perfect. I know that is an alarming and startling statement. Because you go, I can't be perfect. Well, you just, you just got defeated by your own words. But when Jesus says, be perfect, we have to understand what perfection is. What he is saying is, be complete. Be mature. Reach the goal that I have for you. And when he says that, he's not asking us to summon the strength to do it. He's not asking us somehow to work it up, work up the ability to do it. No, he's not. What he is asking us to do is to receive his word. So when Jesus says, be perfect, he gives us the ability now by the word of God to be what he says. When he says to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit, somebody says, well, he was prophesying. No, he was speaking that into them. And when he spoke that into them on the day of Pentecost, whammo, it happened. Whenever God's word is taught, it's, it's a gift to us. We are earth, and his word is seed. So his seed goes into the earth and produces, every one of us who is a believer, it produces a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. So I like to do it like this, good, better, or best. So that means the worst I can do as a Christian or the worst I should do as a Christian is good. That's the worst I should do. And so sometimes when we talk about success or failure, I'm always telling our, our people, no, the worst decision you're going to make is a good one. Now, why did I say that? Somebody said, I don't believe that. So you're not going to have that. You must believe that. You must receive that. And so I say to them, the worst decision as a believer I'm going to make is a good one. And this is what God wants to do for us. He wants to take us out of our natural thinking and cause us, by his word, to be spiritual people. This is what I, I believe. I believe that all the things we want from our local government, state government, national government, all the things we want, the answers are in you. The answers are in the church. That's where God has all of his wisdom and knowledge invested in the church. So we should not want from others what we have locked up, as it were, inside of us and have been unwilling to release. So that's how I think. I hope I, I, hope I get another invitation and I'm run, not running being run out of town today. So I'm asking you today, you know, by the way, before I go to the next point, I am radical, but I think I'm a good radical. I, I'm a good radical. I'm a bit crazy, but good crazy. It's all right to be crazy if you're a good crazy. It's all right to be radical if you're a good radical. So I, I'm a little crazy. My wife was telling me a story of, I think it was maybe in New York or one of the subway uh, cities where they have the subway and uh, this gentleman was standing uh, there to catch the, 
the, the next uh, subway train, and uh, he lost his balance, and he fell in, fell in on the tracks. And this guy saw him, and the train was coming, and he dove down there on him. And because the guy was dazed and trying to get up, he dove down on him and, and held him down, and the train ran over both of them. And when the guy got up, it only, there was only 26 inches. That means you, you, you can't do that if you're a little heavy. But he, ran, he held him down, 26 inches was all the clearance there was. And he held him down, the train ran over him, and when he got up, there was grease from the train in the back of his head and the back of his clothing. But you know what? He was crazy. Amen. They, both of them lived. He was crazy, but he was good crazy. And so you and I have to risk sometimes in order to save. But so often we have been taught by culture and other things that we are... We ought to have another a mode of attack, or we should have another plan other than God's plan, or, or we should do a plan B. We even teach things like, and sometimes these things come from culture, sometimes they come from uh, the pulpit, but still they're they are wrong because we, we sometimes think God had plan B. I never believe God had a plan B. I think God just had plan A. That's what I believe. I don't think God is a plan B God. He's a plan A God. And he takes us to where he has destined us to be. Paul says, says here uh, that we are a new creation. We are a new humanity. And so that new humanity is an amazing thing that God has given to us. We have in, in human form the very life and spirit of God living in us. I know you know that. But then what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? I'm asking you let us be the church that Jesus Christ died for. Let us be the church that when the world sees us, it wonders what it's missing. That's what, that's what we should be. We should not be in the same place that the world is in. That is, dejected, withdrawn, fatalistic, no hope in the world, dried up. We should not be like that because we have the very life of God. My pastor used to always say, we have the last thing that came from heaven. I, I love that. We have the Holy Spirit of God who is God who animates us. And he animates us to do the work of God and to be the representation of him in the earth. Let's be the church he died for. What, what does it look like? It is a glorious church. That is, it is a church that is extraordinarily beautiful because it looks just like him. It looks just like the Lord. A glorious church. And not having spot or wrinkle. Not having anything that God doesn't want us to have. Old habits. Think old, somebody said old habits die hard. You know, old habits. Craziness, you know. If we were short-tempered before Christ, we're short-tempered after Christ. If we ate too much before Christ, we eat too much after Christ. You know, if we were quick to say the wrong thing before Christ, we're still quick to do that after Christ. Those things ought not be. Why? Because he died to give us his spirit. That's what he did. He died to actually give us his spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit because he died. Now, that's very big for me. When I think about that, I think about life in general. Every time I sit at a meal and I eat fish or chicken or beef, 
Something died so that I'd have strength. You, you ever think about that? Something died so that I would have strength. The reason I know you have strength to do everything that God wants is because he died to give you the strength. Paul says that when we were without strength, before Christ, without strength. So the Im implicit in that, that verse is now that you have Christ, you have strength. For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Wow, that's amazing to me. So then that means that you and I are different from all the peoples of the earth. That's huge. Because sometimes we as Christians, we want to apologize for being different. We want to apologize for being fortified with the dunamis of God. We want to, we want to apologize. We go, well, I'm just like you. I'm not just like them. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that redemption and that blood have given me great value. Yes, I am valuable. I remember one day the Lord spoke to me because sometimes, you know, we pastors can, can have problems with people, you know? You know, yeah, we can. You know, when somebody just is a knucklehead, you can, you can have problems with them. You know, you, you tell them five times the same thing and they just want to bow up and buck you. You know, one day, you know, the Lord said to me, I want you to treat everyone with the same value you place on my blood. I said, what? That didn't sound right to me initially. What? what, what? I can't do that. He said, because if I shed my blood for them, I gave them its value. So in the heart of God, in the heart of God, you are extraordinarily valuable. Now, when I started to teach these kinds of things, some at the church had a problem with, with, with these, these things. I also started to teach things like um, that Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. They had problems with that. You know, but, but the, the issue here is that God himself placed a, an eternal value on you as a believer. Now, when I tell you that you have, that he has placed that immense value of his blood upon you, which made you, bought at, made you to be bought at such a high price that there is no being in the universe that can pay, outpay God. There's nobody. Satan can't. There's no earthly person that can outpay God. So that means that he has secured you eternally. Now, that's an amazing thought for me. Now, what does it make me want to do? Does it make me want to live uh, any kind of life? No, no, no. It makes me want to give everything I have to the Lord. Everything I have to the Lord. My mind goes back to a, 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 a football game I saw a number of years ago. Maybe some of you were too young to, to even know it, but there was a, a football team, the San Diego Chargers. I don't remember who they were playing. Whoever they played beat them. And I think it was in a playoff game or Super Bowl. I remember Dan Fouts was the quarterback. Kevin Winslow was the, uh, the, the receiver, maybe a tight end. And uh, so t Kevin Winslow caught Kellen. I'm sorry, what is that? Kellen. Kellen Win Winslow. He caught everything Dan Fouts threw it. Dan would throw it on the outside to keep the receiver. He caught it. He caught it low. He caught it high. He caught it every. And this guy, it was as though his hands were super glued. He caught everything. And, and at the end of the game, he was exhausted. And he just crumpled down on the, on the field. 
because he left it all on the field. He left it all on the field. He left it. They carried him off the field. I say, Jesus, that's how every Christian should live his or her life. We have a lot to do, but it's not up to these, these other entities to do it because we are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. So it's not up to even the, the government to shine light on the nation. It's up to the church because it says to him be glory in the church. Wow. This is amazing for me. So you say, well, Oh, Pastor, don't teach me, don't teach me these things. They're giving me something else to do. No, no, no. I'm not giving you something to, to do. I'm just saying, receive. And the life in you will do the work. Paul did more work than all the apostles because of the grace of God that was in him. That's huge to me. So, yeah, wherever I go, I'm always trying to rally the troops. Mm, I'm always rallying the troops. My wife used to tell me, now, when you go, lighten up. Yeah, I try to light up. This is, this is pretty light for me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty light for me. Now listen, he wants you to be holy and without blemish. No, no spot, no wrinkle, holy without blemish. And so when I read this scripture, let us be the church that Jesus died for, I'm saying, and this comes from Ephesians 5, 27, be, be a glorious church. I'm speaking that into you. When, when Pastor Mark or Pastor Christine so, uh, speaks to you or one of the other uh, ministers speak uh, to you then they are speaking not just at you but into you and don't block it receive the word of God the engrafted word of God it will cause you to grow into something you never imagined you could be it's an amazing thing it is an amazing thing let me give you a, a few uh, examples I'm kind, of, I'm kind of good at going off script you know I, we were in India preaching, and um, I'd like to give a couple of examples. Once we were preaching in this big pavilion, and I finished preaching, my message is the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, his person, who he is as a person, and what he has done for us. What he has done for us can never be negated. That's huge. I was preaching the Lord, and this Hindu got it. He got it, man. He got it. This guy ran down to the front, and he ran down when I gave the altar call, and he was jumping up and saying, come, come. He was jumping up. I thought, what in the world? This guy was helping me give the altar call to other Hindus. This is an amazing, the power of the gospel, the power of the life of God in us is way out there. It's huge, amazing, astonishing. And all we have to do is, is use that life. That's an amazing thing. Another time I was preaching, it was in India as well. I was preaching in India, and a young college student, a young Hindu man, was watching me. And wherever I would go, Pastor, he would watch me. And I'm preaching, and I see this guy. He's watching. I say, oh, we got him, don't we, Lord? <laughs> you know? And it was amazing. I gave the altar call. He immediately got up. Raising his hands, I said, I'm going to come back next year, he said. And you will find me here. Just heard the gospel. Just heard the gospel. And he was radically saved. That's amazing. That's the power of the gospel. I don't want to be a wet log. I don't want to be. My dad used to say, son, I'm not going to give out 
I'm not going to rust out, but I'm going to wear out on the Lord. And boy, he wore out on the Lord, too. And that's how I want to live my life. And that's what I would like to inculcate in every believer. Let's live our life to the fullest. We have eternal life. We have life, and that is abundant life. That means life that overcomes all of the things of the earth. And we have, as it were, in, in that life, or that life is the Spirit of God, and it is indomitable. That means it's incapable of being dominated or subjugated. That's huge. That means I'm going to always win if I don't quit. But quitting is a sort of an option for a lot of believers, unfortunately. But quitting is no option for me. Coming to church, for, for example, it, it, it's, all, it's settled. It's settled for me. I've ma made the decision. You say, well, you're the pastor of your church. I know. <laughs> well, I don't go for the paycheck. I go because I made a decision. I made a decision because well, I remember a number of years ago, maybe about 20 years ago, 25, I didn't want to go to church that day. I didn't want to go to church, and, and, and the, the Johnsons were not there at the time. About 20, maybe 30 years ago now, maybe 30, uh, 28 years ago. They weren't there. And so I didn't want to go to church one Sunday morning. I said, God, I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. He said to me, the reason you don't want to go is because all of the unsanctified emotions that you're going to have to deal with. I said, wow. That was revelation. I didn't know. I didn't know that God's people brought unsanctified emotions to church. Wow. And so I said, oh, God, what, what, what do I do? So I started to teach on the saving of the soul or sanctification, the saving of the soul. See, when we come to Jesus, we get a new heart. We get a brand new heart. Wow. But we still have the same head. And we have to renew our minds. How many of you know we have to renew our minds? And Christ is the provision for the renewing of the mind. Just begin to eat him voraciously. Sometimes I have to slow myself down. My wife says, you've been eating too fast. Any wives ever tell you that kind of thing? You've been eating too fast. No. What are you talking about? You know. Yes, but, but I'm a voracious Spiritual eater, voracious. I love him, and I have great capacity for God. Now, why am I boasting in myself? No, I'm not boasting in myself. No, I have great capacity because he gave me great capacity. Ask somebody who travels with me when we go around the world. I'm not showing off. Now, I will show off at times. Yeah, because I always try to show off with a few Spanish words I know. You know, I try to show off, you know. I always try to let everybody know, hablo un poco español, you know. I always want some, everybody to know that, right? But, but I'm not showing off here. I'm boasting in the Lord. In that if you will begin to receive Christ as he is preached to you every, every week here, if you'll begin to receive him, you will be a person of great capacity. You will have stamina that of a long-distance runner, a marathoner, and not just a sprinter. Too many Christians are sprinters. Yeah. And too many are still in their infancy because we have to have perfect conditions in order to be okay. God wants to change that. How can we change the world when we need special conditions? 
We don't need special conditions. I don't need special conditions. When we travel, it is amazing. Now, I would like to, from time to time, get a better seat on the airplane. But, but I don't need special conditions. We, we are preaching in places that are too hot and sometimes too cold. We're, we're preaching in places uh, where uh, we have no sound system and we're, we're having to preach many times a day. But we're preaching because souls are at stake. So my personal feelings have nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm past my personal feelings. I'm past my personal comfort. And I always have to apologize when I'm at home here and I say, look, I love our air conditioning. I love our nice chairs. I, I love our wonderful accommodations. I love our good roads. So now Americans know I'm not anti-American. I love this nation. I love the kingdom more. I love the kingdom more. And my heart is that you would love the kingdom of God more and be the church that he died for. Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 15, uh, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So there's an ability to pray always. Somebody says, uh, well, Paul didn't mean he really prayed always. He meant, I believe he prayed always. Because the Holy Spirit in you has the ability to pray always. And I love God and I love uh, the way he interacts with us. Because I've been asleep, dead asleep as it were. Dead asleep. Metaphoric. Dead asleep. And woke myself up praying. I said, well, it was like I was, it was not at the beginning. It was in the middle of the prayer. And somehow, supernaturally, I knew what I'd been praying. That's amazing to me. God is an amazing God, and we take him often for granted. I hope I'm not too intense for you. He's an amazing God. Let's not take him for granted. And let's not miss not even one opportunity to, to love him more, to grow more in him, and to give of ourselves. Because every opportunity that you miss is lost. You say, well, I made up. No, you didn't. You can't make up for those lost opportunities. You can repent for them and go forward. And I believe the Lord is challenging this church. When I walked in, in this morning, I walked in from, from your entrance there, and I, I just suddenly felt weepy. And I thought, oh, geez, just looking for my handkerchiefs. Uh, I'm going to probably cry. And I don't like to cry. I cry all the time. Yeah, every, every service problem. I said to my daughter once, I said, Jen, Jen, I said, this thing was so powerful, it made me cry. She said, okay, what's new, Dad? This thing. But, but are you with me? Are, 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 you, are you with me? You know, Jesus Christ has given you a mandate. That is an official order from God, from himself. He has given you with that mandate an authority. You have an authority. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have, you have not only have dunamis, but you have exousia. You have the authority to carry out whatever God tells you. And I have seen that experientially. It's amazing. Let me give you some more, another story. We, we were in... Uh, India in a little place called Pridigurala. Diff difficult name. Pridigurala. Uh, we were there in this place, and um, I I'm a radical, right? Uh, so I'm preaching, Jesus is God. Jesus is the only God. Everything else is false. 
And there are like about 70, 80,000 Hindus in that, in that area, in that village. And I'm preaching. I felt moved by the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, well, you shouldn't mess with their religion. Yes, I mess with everything outside the kingdom of God. Yes, I do. And I don't apologize for it. And the problem with, our, with the church here is that we are afraid to go where the Holy Spirit is leading us. And I was, pre I was preaching. And it was the same night um, I was telling them they need to abandon all of their gods and and, uh, and that Jesus Christ is the only one who will speak for us when we come into death. And it started to, it was actually, actually before I started to preach, it started to rain. And uh, I, being a young kid from East Texas, where we had, you know, young boys had our cars, and a lot of times there was always something wrong with a car, that's why you got it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in the old days. And the windshield wipers wouldn't work, and so uh, there were often times we'd say, Oh, God, don't let, the, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. Let me get home. Don't let it rain, Lord. Don't, stop it. Stop it until I get home. Please, God. And he would actually stop it. And, I mean, this is, I'm saying greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. This thing is, is mighty and powerful. And don't look at natural things and prefer them Correct. to God. And he would stop those things. And I learned that. I was, I was a little boy. Can you believe these hands have, have, have picked cotton? I don't, I don't mean pick the shirt. Yeah, I, I remember as a little boy begging to go pick cotton. And I thought it must have been fun. Everybody was going. It's true. True story. And, and I begged to go. My, my mom would not let me. And I begged and begged and cried to go. And my mom would not let me. And my dad said, let him go, honey. Let him go. And I didn't know that I couldn't retire the next day. And so, but anyway, I, I, I wanted to just say, I've, I, in the cotton field, sometimes it would be so hot. And I would say, God, would you please just let the cloud go, go over the sun somehow? Bring a cloud. Sometimes you look in there, it was clear. There was, no, there was no cloud. I'm talking about walking with God, knowing that Christ is everything you need. I would say, Lord... Let, it, let a cloud come. And, and often, many times, a cloud would appear from like nowhere and go and stay over the sun. Wow. And so I learned that. I, I, I learned that. And so when I was in India preaching, I said, stop the rain. In the name of Jesus, stop the rain. I want to preach the gospel to these Hindus. He didn't stop the rain. He had stopped it to me more, many times before, many times, multiple times. He had caused clouds to appear out of nowhere and block the sun so his kid, his son, his little boy would have some shade from the heat. But he wouldn't stop the rain. I said, oh, Jesus. And so that's when I, I was preaching and I was telling them that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way to God. You have to abandon uh, whatever you believe and at receive Jesus. Accept Jesus. It was pouring down and they, they wouldn't go anywhere. The gospel has that kind of power, that kind of ability, but we don't know it because we're unwilling to go wherever he leads us. Come on, we can do better. You say, I'm doing, be doing better than I used to. Fine, great, I'm glad. Let's do even more. Come on, because we are enabled and empowered by the Spirit of God, by the life of Jesus. And as it kept raining, I gave a, an altar call and 68 uh, people came up and gave their hearts to Jesus. I was so glad. 68, we counted them. But there was another man who had heard me preaching over the loudspeaker, telling all these Hindus to abandon their false gods. When I was preaching, a, a voice spoke to me. I knew it wasn't God, so you can get killed for this. And it was a very radical area. This was a very, very radical area. 
where we were. But I figured, well, I can't get killed if it's not my time to get killed. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And then this man came out of his house. He had heard us preaching in his home. And he came out of his house with his wife and children in the rain. It was raining on him. And they told me, this man is a Hindu businessman. He has heard you preaching the gospel, and he wants to give his life and bring his family to Jesus Christ. He is submitting to him today. Came out in the rain. Not worried about conditions, brothers and sisters. Amen. And I was there the next, next year, and somebody says, Pastor, I want to introduce you. I said, yes, the businessman who came out in the rain to receive Jesus. <gasps> you see, if we preach, we will be effective. We, you say, well, I've preached, and, and, and it wasn't effective. Well, preach until it prevails. Witness until it prevails. Pray until it prevails, because Jesus Christ is God's provision. Amen. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know, it is so amazing. I, I love this, uh, Peter, because... And in Ephesians, the scripture tells us that we, in Ephesians 1.11, tells us that we have had, uh, have obtained, we have obtained an inheritance. Is that big or not? We have obtained an inheritance. So that means that we're not going to get, we're going to get the full package, but we already are sons of God. That is, I don't know what that does for you. I'm like a kid. I, I've always enjoyed science fiction, you know, and, and when I read the Bible, I really enjoy the Bible because it's not fiction. It's the real deal. And when I read it, it's more awesome than science fiction. It's awesome. And, and I want you to understand what God has done. He has already given you an inheritance. He has already predestined you. Yes, he predestined you according to his own purpose. The one who works everything out after the counsel of his will. Wow predestined you for something. He predestined you for victory. He predestined you for glory. You never win victory. You can't win victory. The victory is won. You can prove victory. Amen. I love proving victory. Amen. I love proving it. Don't you love proving it? Yeah, when you stand against the enemy and, and his weaponry seems more formidable than your little frail body and you stand there and all of a sudden Everything is dispersed. The enemy's gone. He's been routed by God. That's huge. Do you see God working for you? I see God working for me. I see God working for believers who don't even know it's God working. I'm saying let us open our eyes. Oh, my. Let us open our eyes. I got off script. Forgive me for that. But in Christ, we have an inheritance and... In Christ, we are an inheritance. I love that, don't you? That in Christ, we have an inheritance. And then we are his inheritance. That means that Jesus Christ can never get his inheritance without us. These things amaze me. Whoa, whoa. Thank you, God. Now, I'm very zealous for Jesus. First Peter says, blessed be the God and Father, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. 
So that means that we can have expectation of Jesus, of God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we are, we are not putting our faith in something that can, in, or someone who can be defeated. Impossible. You say, well, I know that. But, well, keep, keep on. I'm going to stir up your mind. He's a living hope, and he has de been declared the Son of God because he, were, he rose from the dead. And so he is our living hope. Now, you and I know that death is real. A young man, I baptized him, was there when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, he passed away. But, but, you know, it's an amazing thing about uh, Pastor Kenneth. He, he passed away. He would get up every day and go pray about 3 or 3.30 in the morning. He would get up and pray every day, go to his prayer bench and pray. So uh, last, not this past Friday, but Friday before last, he got up and went to his prayer bench, sat down on his prayer bench, adjusted the thermostat, make it a little cooler, sat on his prayer bench, and went home to hear the Lord. I was so, I was hurt, but I was happy. I thought, isn't that just like God? Isn't that just, you see, I don't want to go to be with the Lord in my bed, lying down in my bed or in a rocking chair. I want to go doing what he called me to do. Amen. Yeah. You know, I don't have a death wish. I don't have that. You know, when my children were small, I said to the Lord, I want to see my children grow up. Lord, don't let me die. And then when I had grandchildren, go, I want to see my grandchildren grow. So I don't have a death wish. But you know, I know that it could happen in the places where we preach the gospel, but you go where Jesus leads you. Yes. You go where Jesus leads you. I, we had a man who worked for the State Department in our church, and he, he had been there for quite some time. I didn't know he worked for the State Department. And uh, he got ready to leave. He said, hey, Pastor, I'm going back to Georgia. And I said, my wife and I hate this new assignment because we're going to leave the church. And he said, but I have something I need to tell you, that you are going into places where the State Department said we shouldn't travel. I said, oh, oh, I know, but God told us to go. God told us to go. So we go wherever he leads us. Wow. 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 You know, a, a, a year ago, I met a, a Pakistani, a Pakistani bishop. And he said to me, he said, uh, he first he said, Pastor, I, I feel like I need to bring our churches under your authority. I said, well, okay. He said, I want you to father me and father our churches. And he said, I, that we have 200 Christian churches in Pakistan. He said, would you do that? And so I said, let's pray about it. And I brought, got, gathered our elders together, and we thought it was the will of God. And uh, we said yes to him. And somebody said, you're going to go to Pakistan? They kill Americans there. I said, if that's what God wants us, we will go to Pakistan. Because I can't die if it's not my time to die. Are you radical for Jesus? Wow. God wants us to be radical for him. Now, now let, listen, Jesus Christ, anybody who beats death can take care of you. Because death is a formidable thing. But, but I want to go preaching, teaching. Now, listen what he, he um, uh, begot us to. An inheritance that's incorruptible. It's not perishable. It is undefiled. And it will never fade away. And our inheritance is reserved for us. Reserved for you. Now listen. Who are kept 
by the power of God. You and I are not kept because of our Yankee ingenuity. We have the most formidable army on the face of the earth, but we are not kept by the Marines. And I give them all the respect. One of my best friends is a Marine. The one that your pastor kissed on the cheek one day. That's a good story. We're kept by the power of God. Supernaturally kept by the power of God. Through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. And so what Peter is saying is that in the last days, God is poised to show off his church, but not spoiled brats, but the church, those who are complete in him, those who have been perfected, that is, they have reached maturity. They're not about themselves. They don't wake up every day with themselves on their minds. It's the church his body, his bride. Wow. We are the church. We are his body. Arms, fingers, legs, feet, his building. That means his, his temple. You know, some of us do a lot of things with this body and we think it's okay, it's cool, I'm safe. But you know, the Bible says that God will, will deal with anybody who defiles his temple. Actually, Paul says he will destroy them. If they defile, you know what? All you have to do is go back into the Old Testament and see the, the precedent. Israel was really totally scattered because of what they did to God's temple. And so what you don't want to do is uh, defile that. Now, you are his building. You are his actual temple. Individually, you are a temple of God. And collectively, corporately, we are the temple of God in the earth. Yeah. I don't know what that does for you, but these things are amazing to me. I wish you could, ju you could just take a little a, a moving picture of me, a little video of me sometimes when I'm seeing these things in the scripture because I'm going, oh, God, wow, wow, this is amazing. Oh, Jesus. We are the body, the building, the bride. That means we're connected with him forever, a part of his amazing plan for glory. We are joint heirs with Christ. In, in Romans, he says that we are the Holy Spirit, in Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. And that if we're God's children, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he says, and the, the result of that is that God will glorify us together. What am I saying? I'm saying that as a believer, you have everything you need to be successful. Everything that God wants to show to the world is in you. I'm saying that your family ought to be the best family on the block. That's what I'm saying to you. How do you do it? Hearing the word. Let the, what, when the word is preached, receive the word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Pray. Pray. Spend time with God. And he will give you an amazing ability to know and to do. When I was a young oil field worker many years ago after college, I went to work in the, in the oil business. And, and uh, there were times when my boss, I know that you're not those kinds of bosses, but my bosses would sometimes send me to do things I hadn't been trained for. They'd say, you've got to get it done. It, and they would have this expression, if you, if you can't get it, you can't stay. And I'd have to go, and I'd say, Lord, I've never been trained. I don't know what this equipment looks like, God. I don't have an idea. I don't have an idea. And when I would get to the location, I would look at it, and 
supernaturally. I knew. Wow. That's the ability that we have in Christ. And he has given us his spirit. Let, let me come to a close today. He wants the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. Do you know what you're called to? Have you made up your mind? See, I don't make up my mind to go to church on Sundays. I've already made up my mind. I go to everything. I've already, already made up my mind. I never get up on a Sunday morning and make up my mind to go to church. I never on a Wednesday decide I'm going to go. I've already made up my mind. And he wants you to know what the, are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in this. God's going to get something. See, when Jesus Christ was born, he was the, the only begotten son of God. But after his work on the cross, he's now the first begotten of many brethren. That's for our benefit. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And he also wants us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. And this is what that looks like when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's what God wants us to see. That's what God wants us to know. Let me give you a couple of stories, and I'm going to be done today. I was preaching in the Philippines. As I was preaching the gospel, talking about the gospel of the kingdom, saying that the gospel of the kingdom is, is a, a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom talks about a spiritual kingdom. It talks about uh, a, a kingdom that is not of this world. It talks about a, a kingdom where all divisions are obliterated. All divisions are obliterated, totally destroyed. It talks about a kingdom where all of the people know what they are and why they are. They are a chosen generation. They are a royal priesthood. They are a holy nation. They are his own special people. Why? That they may proclaim the praises of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. So your responsibility is not to just hang on. Your responsibility is to receive his victory and, and show it in the world. Show it in the workplace. Wherever you are, show it to your neighbors. Show it in your church. One of my mentors said, the ark must have been a smelly place. And I agree that it must have been a smelly place. But sometimes the church is like that. Sometimes there are things that are going on that we don't understand. And I remember as a young man, I didn't understand. I used to talk to my pastor. I'd call him. The pastor might talk to you about something I didn't understand. Then when I started to pastor, I, I understood. What am I saying? I'm saying you have an ability to overcome every weakness, everything that is debilitating, everything that does not glorify God. You have a responsibility to show forth the praises of Jesus Christ, God the Father, who called you out of darkness. You have a responsibility to be the answer that the world's looking for through Jesus Christ. You have that responsibility. Then you have a responsibility, finally, to advance the kingdom of God in every place where the kingdom is not yet manifest. That is your responsibility. I want to pray for you and I want to bless you. Father God, I thank you for 
for the opportunity just to be here at Life Fellowship. What a good name. I just ask you, Lord God, to minister your life and bless everybody here. I have this strong impression that the Lord wants to take you from this particular a mindset. I don't know what your mindset is, but the strong impression I've got is that there's a mindset that God wants to change, wants to shatter, wants to demolish. And it, maybe it is a, a, a mindset of being at ease, probably enjoyment. I mean, life is about fixing things right so that each one can have a good time. But God wants to demolish that. And God wants to radicalize this church, but good radical, not crazy radical, but good radical and good crazy. He wants you to risk it to save somebody's life. When the Lord called us to go to Muslim nations, he called me to risk my life, to give up my life. And he's, called, he's calling you to do more than what you have done. And Pastor, I just want to be able, just free to say that to your congregation, that the Lord wants you to go beyond where you are. This is not a time for giving up. It's a time for buckling up. You buckle your seatbelt if you're, if you're flying with God. There's going to be a little turbulence, but we're going to get to the other side. It's not a time for, for me to get my way. It's, a, it's time for me to walk in the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants you to understand that experientially. Jesus is the way to God. He is the truth of God, and he's the life of God. That's what that means. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God, the only way. He is that only one swage that God made. That God, not God made, but God has. He is all God, all man. He is the way to God, the only way. He is the truth of God. If you want to know what God thinks and what God does, it's in Christ. So just get your Bible and study Christ. That's all. He's the life of God. What is that life? That means eternal life. And that e eternal life is, a, is the light and the life of God. And there's nothing on the earth that can snuff it out. Absolutely nothing can snuff it out. That's why I said there's nothing the devil can do to me before my time. I am not afraid of the devil. I don't live life safely. And I don't have a sterile life. God wants to take you from a sterilized life. Yeah. It is exciting to live for Jesus and to go beyond where you're comfortable. No, I'm good crazy. This year I'll be going into some dangerous places. I'm not boasting. One day maybe that's where I'll lay my head down and die. But he died for me. I live for him and I will die for him. And that's the church he died for. To infuse us with his very life. I bless you. I bless you. I was in a poor area of India. And the Lord told me, I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach tonight? I've got, in my iPad, I've got 
hundreds of messages. And they're pretty good if I don't go off script. So what do you want me to preach? I didn't say, let me preach. No. He said, tell the Hindus to give up everything for me. It's okay. I didn't argue, didn't debate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, boss. These Hindus were poor. They lived in places that we wouldn't put our puppies in. We wouldn't put our dogs in those places. I promise you, not any, no respecting American would put his dog there. They lived there. And he said, tell them to give up everything. And I preached that night. My friend and interpreter said, when I was preaching, he thought, he's making a mistake. He's misspeaking. He, he's not saying. He said, because we tell people that if you come to Jesus, he'll give you everything. Things. I said, give up things. I talked, I preached for 20 or 30 minutes. And he said, he, he thought, I'll save what he said. And at the end, the altars were flooded. They came. I didn't preach a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. I preached to come to Jesus and die. And they ran to the front. What am I saying? I'm saying we, got, we are more effective. We've got the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty in God. And I speak over this house that God is going to use you as formidable weapons. God is asking you to do that. Some of you are in the valley of decision. And you don't know exactly what you think God wants. Well, wherever God puts you, hang your hat. Stay, stay here. I wish I had time to preach to you more. To tell you what God wants to do for you. This is what I'm saying. There are great days ahead for you here. Father, I thank you for this. And I, I go to my seat, but I thank you, God, that you call these pastors here. And I thank you, God, that they're going to complete the mission. They're going to complete the mission. Though they are under fire, they're going to complete the mission in the name of the Lord. And there will be many who will complete the mission because their eyes are on you, not on themselves. I ask you for those who are looking inwardly, ruthlessly self-introspective, I pray that you would cause them to look to you, the author and the finisher of faith. Mm. You who endured the cross and despised the shame. Take them to their cross. And bring them out as a new humanity, as it were. An experientially new humanity. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. He's a new humanity. I speak it over them, and they will see it with their eyes in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor.
Thank you for sharing that work. God has great plans for us as a church. God, and I've shared this with you, that God has called us to, to reach the nations, Matthew 28. I'm challenging all of us to go out and build relationships, four new relationships with people that don't know the Lord. God has given us the hope of Christ to share. And right now, I'd, I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and God is tugging on your heart, Listen, God has a great destiny for us as a church, but he has a great destiny for you, and it begins with you submitting your life to Christ. All of us have tried to fix our own broken, messed up lives, and it's only through Christ that we can receive the health and the healing and the wholeness and get on the right path, and God has a great destiny for you, but it begins with giving your heart to him. So you may be here this morning and God is tugging on your heart or you may be listening online. If, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. If God is speaking to your heart this morning. Anybody else? Oh, thank you for that honesty. Anyone else? Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not allow God to give you the fresh new start that he desires. Anybody else? Thank you for your honesty. I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it quietly or you can pray it out loud. Those of you who've lifted up your hand, the, 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 the important part is that you're play, praying from your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you this, this morning. I submit my life to you. I've tried to do it on my own, and I can't. So I yield my life to you. I ask for complete forgiveness for everything that I've done that's not been pleasing to you. And I receive your grace, your unmerited favor toward me now. In Jesus' name. And I thank you that today is a new day. It's a fresh start. And all that old stuff is gone. I leave the guilt, the shame, the sin, all that stuff at the cross. Because you did a completed work for me on the cross. And I thank you now. I want to pray for these, these two people. Lord, I pray that you would baptize them with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would begin to understand and see what Pastor Don was talking about this morning, that as they pray, the power of God would go forth, that you would meet their needs, that they would have a greater understanding of your love for them, and that you would infuse them with greater passion for you and for the people of God, and for the people that don't know you. Lord, so Father, I pray that they would begin to hear your small, still voice with greater clarity. And we pray all these things with expectation. In the almighty and the all-powerful name of Jesus, we thank you. I want to continue to encourage all of you. If, listen, if you've run out of these 442 cards, we have some more. Go build foreign relationships with people that don't know the Lord. 
There are people that need him. We need him, but there are people out there that need him as well. Share your story four times and pray. Be willing to pray with people. Be present. Be there. Be available, but also be prepared. Thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Don. Thank you so much for sharing that word. As, as you go from this place this morning, be looking for the opportunities to share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with others. Will you do that? Amen. Go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us this morning.